Welcome to another episode of Rich in Relationship. And the answer to the question it, of why can't I decide, why can't I stick to the decision is, you haven't gotten clear about number one, letting go of the old baggage, and number two, being clear about where you wanna go. And we're gonna cover all of that in this episode of Rich in Relationship. So there are three basic emotional states that people enter into this time of year when they're thinking about divorce. The first is that the most common, it tends to be raging, just angry. They're, you're either boiling on the inside or it's coming out all over the place. Either way, it isn't good, it's very toxic. And the second is broken, just broken down, sad, more just grieving, uh, almost depressed. And the third is just plagued with numbness. Um, and the result of these three states, these emotional states, is that we tend to be either overly decisive or we have trouble making a decision or we're just doubting ourselves all the time. And the solutions to these things have to do with letting go of the baggage, which we're gonna talk about. How do you let go of the baggage? Uh, so that you can get to that place where you know the decision that you're making is good uh, and what are the conditions that you might change your mind about that decision if you were going to change your mind? I mean, we need to be open to the idea that conditions change, that sometimes people really can change. It's rare, and we need to be really clear about what that looks like. It's, and I'll talk all about how not to do that. And then the last part is really um, how to stay the course. What's the network of support? What's the way that we do that? So that's, that's what we're talking about here today is making and keeping a decision. So the first condition we talked about is anger, and this is the most common one. The reason why is because we live in a culture where it's not really acceptable to be grieving much or in sadness a lot, right? What do we do when people are sad? Uh, just about any doctor will prescribe you an antidepressant. I'm not even talking about a shrink. I'm talking about your general practitioner. If you go to your general practitioner and you say, oh, dude, I've just been really sad. You know, it's a, uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas and you've been so sad. And they'll say, you know what? Let me prescribe some anti-anxiety medicine for, to you for, for just 30 days. And let's see if that pushes it, right? Most doctors will just prescribe. And that's because the general belief in our culture is that it's not okay to be sad. Right? What happens when people are sad? They become less productive. What happens when people are sad? It, it is, you could catch it. What happens when people are sad? They feel like they've already lost. And so instead, where we tend to go is anger. Why? Because anger feels empowering. Right? And the purpose of anger is to jolt us out of feeling like a victim, to jolt us out of sadness. It is actually created for this purpose. But the problem with anger is that sometimes we forget that it's kind of like um, in an old school gas engine, there used to be what's called a starter motor, an electric starter motor. The anger is like the electric starter motor. It turns over the big engine until it can catch. And once the big engine gets going, we don't need that anger anymore. We've got our cerebral cortex. We've got all of who we are. We can get creative about problem solving. But in order to get the big engine going, sometimes we need a little piss and vinegar. 
you know, particularly if we've been in sadness for a long time, it's kind of like a car, a gas engine that's been sitting out in the cold and it just goes, and then eventually it catches, right? So that's the purpose of anger is to get that bigger motor going. But what we tend to do is we can tend to keep running that starter motor and running it and running it and running it. And we become toxic and we're toxic all over the place. And when we're in that space, we make a decision. And then we say, F that. And we make another decision. And then we make a decision to go, oh my God, my kids are hurting. F that. I'm going to stay in my marriage. Oh, he's such an asshole. F that. I'm going to get, I'm going to get a divorce. Oh, this divorce is so expensive. F that. I'm going to, I'm just going to leave. And we make, we start making decisions rapid fire. And in a way, this being overly decisive is more toxic than not making a decision in some, in some ways, because People see us as waffling. They see us as unsteady. They see us as unreliable. The second state is the people who the people who do allow themselves to be sad, who do allow themselves to have that sense of being a victim. I'm going to call this broken down. So uh, these are folks who are truly grieving the loss of the dream that their marriage was. They're truly grieving the, the experience that they're having. They're usually married to someone very toxic and bullying, and there's no room for them to be angry. Um, and we tend to think, why? What's wrong with them? Why do they stay in that marriage? Uh, and these people are just, um, they, they can't make a decision, basically. Uh, they can't make a decision because when we're in that state of sadness and hurt and fear, we, the, the mindset is, I've already lost, so why even play? Right. So in the first state, the anger state, we're saying, I'm going to win and I'm going to kill everyone, anyone who gets in my way. Very toxic for other people. The second state, I've already lost. Why should I even play? And uh, the thing that triggers these people that gets their starter motor going usually is they see the way their partner is towards the children and they will not allow their children to be treated in a way that they've allowed themselves to be treated because the children are innocents. They may have been used to being treated that way, but the children don't deserve that. And that's usually what gets them going. But they have a hard time getting that starter motor going because in that broken down state, it's like the battery has gone dead, right? So the starter motor needs a battery to get going. And for our battery to be charged, we need to be taking care of ourselves. But typically, what people in this state have been doing is they've been sacrificing themselves for their children, sacrificing themselves for their children, and not charging their own battery. And so the result is they just can't make a decision. They don't have the juice to make a decision. They're in a place of non-decision. The third state is numbness. And numbness uh, occurs when our limbic system, the part of ourselves, our nervous system has been totally overwhelmed for so long. We've been under stress for so long. We've been feeling attacked for so long. We're just numb. We don't know what to do anymore. And that sense of numbness is we're just walking through life kind of in a daze and very little snaps us out of it. Um, and there are, particularly around the holidays, a lot of people walking around in this state. You see them, they just, they went to Christmas and they really hoped it would be different this time and it wasn't. And they went numb. You know, they went to New Year's and they hoped it would be different and it wasn't. And they're numb. And, uh, excuse me, Thanksgiving and they're numb. And New, and New Year's, they couldn't even make a resolution and they just don't know what to do. And what they're, they're in a state of just doubting themselves, doubting themselves. They doubt themselves so much. 
maybe they've made decisions, but they're doubting the decision that they've made. It, it, typically, you know, when you get into that numb state, it's because you've been raging, broken down and raging. You've made a decision, but you just go, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't have the energy for that decision that I made. And people like that, I, I remember, I'll tell you a story of numbness. Um, my first marriage, uh, five years into the marriage, I knew the marriage was really not working, right? Like I was emotionally abandoned by my wife. She was emotionally abandoned, our children. She had some serious emotional problems and couldn't be present. Even though she was in the house, she was often in her room with the door closed and we never saw her. We very rarely saw her. Sometimes she came down and had meals with us. Sometimes she didn't. Um, and I knew it was really, really wrong. And I was exhausted. I had been like uh, supporting the whole family, sh showing up for my kids. I had made the decision that my kids couldn't go to after school programs anymore because they hated the after school program. So I was getting up at four in the morning and working from four to six, getting them up. I worked from four to six on like paperwork and bookkeeping and, and estimates. And then from six to 7.30, I'd be getting them ready, feeding them and taking them to school. And then at uh, 7.45, it was drop off. And then from 7.45 to three, I'd be working with clients, working with Mike Cruz, uh, getting things done. And then like three o'clock would come and I'd pick them up again. And then from you know three to six, they do homework and I do some client calls. And then from six o'clock to 7.30, I'd feed them. Uh, and then from 7.30 to nine, I'd be working. And my partner who wasn't a partner was pretty much just not there. And so I, I was exhausted. I couldn't believe that this amazing marriage that I had started had failed. Uh, I was just, and, and so I told her I wanted a divorce, even though I was numb. I, like I, in my last fit of rage, I told her I wanted a divorce. And I remember it was, it was this time of year. And I remember um, getting sick, physically ill. And that was just like the last straw. I was emotionally numb. I was run down. I, got, I remember getting into the bathtub and sitting there in the tub and thinking, wow, this decision I made, I don't know if I can do this. Oh God, I just don't have the energy. How am I going to take care of the kids? The kids are going to suffer so much, you know? And I actually, in the end, I, I unpulled that trigger and hung in there for another five years. I hung in there until I developed enough consciousness that it really was bad for my family for us to stay together. You know, so that was five years of misery. I could have saved my children if I hadn't been numb and doubting myself and doubting myself and doubting myself. All right, so those are the three states, raging, broken down, numb, overly decisive, can't make a decision and self-doubt. How do we go at them is the next question. What do we do about this? So the first with raging is, raging occurs because we've got, um, baggage, emotional baggage, uh, anger about things that happened earlier in life that we haven't been complete with. And the situation that's going on in our life brings that up. So raging basically means that something happens that most people would, if, on a, uh, if they were driving a car, let's stick with the car. If they stepped on the gas, um, their car would go from zero to 10 or zero to 20 in terms of their re emotional reaction, right? They might go 20 miles an hour at the most, uh, they're probably driving an old model Hyundai or something like that. That just you step on the gas and it goes, "What is there? Did you step on the gas, sir?" <laughs> you know. And three seconds later, five seconds later, the, the car gets going, right? But when we're when we're 
got a lot of emotional baggage from the past and somebody does something it's like uh somebody put nitro into that hyundai and you step on the gas and all of a sudden it goes from zero to 60. like just like that it's suddenly it's got the reaction time of an electric car right and you're just off to the races that's raging so raging is the result of stored emotional unresolved emotional anger that's being triggered in the moment the situation in the moment reminds us of that and it all just comes out at once and the way to move through that is to number one find a way to release the old anger actually uh i would say that that's not it let's say number one it's to notice that you're triggered all right um so the the old school way was to notice that you're triggered and to then um develop a strategy for when you're triggered uh, and then do some find some get to some self-exploration about what's the anger about and let it go and i have this book the dwarf detox that i wrote which is uh a workbook and all the steps for all three of these resist these states that i'm talking about are in here the slow boat is in that book the kind of the typical therapeutic approach to it uh, or coaching approach to it so you know number one we're gonna manage our own trigger so that when we're triggered we're not dumping but we got to have some place to take that emotion and so we start to learn to release the old anger and that's kind of what that book is about is how to release the old anger uh, and release the current anger um, and we also learn to express our current anger in ways that uh, are not toxic with i statements and things like that we're moving away from blame um, and we start practicing some forgiveness so that's that's the way to deal with the rage is to bleed it out um, the second when we're talking about broken down, just so sad, um, that's going to require really a deep exploration of what am I sad about now? What are the what? It might require some journaling. It might you might really need someone to talk to. Like truthfully, when we're in that broken down state, um, it's very hard to shift out of it without some outside help. But maybe it's a spiritual leader of some kind. The raging you can use help also, but at least with raging you're you're you've got the sense that you want to win when you're in that broken down state of sadness um of uh hurt of fear it can it can be feel very locked down and there's not a lot of motivation to move forward it's a tough space to be in and so in order to re to release that we're going to need to again probably practice some forgiveness you know if we're feeling hurt we're going to need to forgive we're going to be forgive ourselves very often when we're in that state, there's a lot of shame involved and guilt. And in the third state, uh, numbness, what's involved there is you've got the symptoms broken down and raging, but you're basically in overwhelm. And so the first steps there have to do with getting some space for yourself and restarting your self-care systems. Um, and now, truthfully, in all three of these states, these are identifying the old feelings and, and releasing them. Uh, talking to a third, a third person, a third party, expressing your feelings in the moment in a way that's responsible, self-care, all of these things apply to all three of these states, but each one's got a slightly different focus. Uh, so the solution is release the rage for raging, 
end the sense of loss for broken down and de-stress for numb. And as I said, you know, you can do a 12-week program like we have here, or we've also got a tool now called mental and emotional release that in basically in a 24 hours, we can help you really let go of this stuff and start taking some action. Because uh, the basis of any kind of change is number one, release old emotion. Number two, have a plan or a strategy. Number three, take action. And number four, adjust. And so when you do either a, a less, well, yeah, actually it's not less expensive, a longer term, slower road, traditional 12 week program or a mental and emotional release program, you're, you're gonna be letting go of the baggage and creating a strategy for the future. You're going to be adjusting and getting coaching and moving forward. And what's gonna come out of this is that once you let go of the old emotion, you start to clear the deck so that you can trust your own instincts and intuition again. Trusting your gut is really central. You know, we tend to be in a state of, I know better than anyone raging. Um, I just don't know what to do, broken down, or I doubt every decision I've ever made, numb. And all three of those things, all three of those states are grounded in not really being in touch with our, our inner self, that little voice that really knows what's best for us. And so whichever process you choose to let go and to start creating that new future, trusting your gut is the first step to making a grounded decision. Now, the second part is to make the decision, of course. You know, once you've released the old emotion, once we've started to move out of these states of raging, broken down and numb into one of engaged, aware and in the moment, you know, then we can make decisions that have meaning for us. And then now when we make decisions in either of those states, of any of those states, they tend to be tainted. But once we've released the baggage of the past in this particular area of our life, our decisions are cleaner and clearer and the road becomes more obvious. Now, it may be that you do that and now you still wanna be open to there being change on the other side. So the decision we're talking about here has to do with your marriage, right? Once you've released the baggage, you can be crystal clear about what kind of relationship it is that you want and whether that's occurring or not. And so instead of always hoping that there's gonna be some change that's gonna make it better, you're either gonna see it or you're not. You will not question your decision any further. You will know whether your partner is moving in the direction with you that you wanna go or not, it's just gonna become instantly obvious. And you're gonna lean into your tribe and network of support, your coach, your whoever, to help you get there. <clears throat> the last part is, once you're in that space of decisiveness, of clarity, of knowing where it is you're going, you gotta stick to the plan. And, you're gonna to need to adjust, right? So when a plane flies from Los Angeles to New York, it puts in a flight plan that looks like it's going in a straight line, right? And if you've ever been a plane and they tra tracking the progress of the plane, it looks like if they show this straight line for the plane, but in real life, the plane is adjusting. Uh, it's going higher, it's going lower, depending on what kind of pressure there is in the air. It's going south, it's going north depending on what the weather is. 
it's going faster or slower, or maybe there's other planes in the area. And so it needs to adjust for those other planes for safety's sake. That's sort of the advantage of having a strategy and working with someone to develop the strategy and follow through on it is they can help you to identify where are the high pressure pockets, where are the other planes that are in the way. And they can help you to see, is that other person shifting and changing or not? All right, raging, broken down, numb, any of these conditions, the answer is gonna be releasing the rage, ending the loss and de-stressing, more releasing the rage for raging, more ending the loss for broken down, more de-stressing for numb, but these things apply to all three conditions in some way, shape or form. Overly decisive, can't make a decision, doubting self, these things will pass once you have released the old emotions and you have a flight plan in place and you're gonna trust your gut. You're gonna make that decision. You're gonna have the conditions for change. You're gonna lean into your network of support. You're gonna stick to your plan and adjust and you're not gonna stop unless the conditions that you have decided are where you wanna be in your life are 100%. And if that's what you want, you know how to reach me, rich at richinrelationship.com, or you can simply reach out to my website, Rich in Relationship, or you can direct message me, whatever you want. Think about it. Are you having trouble with one of these areas? Would you like some help? Reach out now.